Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we are talking about Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby's detective comedy drama Mind Horn. Man. Mind Horn. <laughs> Mind Horn. Uh, I'm Jake Cunningham and joining me is my Radio Rebus, my broadcasting Bergerac, my podcasting Poirot, Helen Seymour. Hello. Hello, mate. <laughs> I thought you'd like that introduction. That was amazing. That was very good. I know you're a, you're a big lover of the TV detective. I love it. Columbo is my yeah. favourite. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find a radio podcasty podcast word that began with the, uh, like, a curse sound. Yeah, I, that's okay. If you think of one, just shout it later on. I will. Uh, Helen will not be doing a lot of shouting today, um, as... Her voice, as you may have heard, is slightly damaged. What are you saying, mate? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, was it a secret? I think it sounds great. Yeah. Um, sorry, Helen's testing out her new kind of jazzy blues voice. Yeah. Um, and she just thought this was a good place to experiment. My mum said, on the phone, my mum said, Oh, no, I think it's nice. You sound more confident. <laughs> oh, no, that's such a bad thing to I get know. told by a parent I as know. well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so yes, it's it's Mindhorn today, uh, and so this is a film about a TV detective who, in the real world, is just an actor who is then brought in to a police chase situation to be a real detective again, and it's really, really, really good. It's so good. It's so good. Mm. We both said we haven't laughed. We don't think we've laughed that much. And I was properly laughing. Yeah. And I rarely laugh out loud in the cinema. Yep. Um, I think since I the from memory, it's Alan, the Alan Partridge Alpha Papa film mm. is the last time that I had this many laughs. Um, it's such an achievement of silliness and stupidity, but fiercely clever as yeah. well. It's absolutely excellent. Um, and so. To begin, as usual, we've got our podcast pitch. And this week, uh, I'm looking for a pitch for a film that involves a real-life actor becoming the film within a film. And now we watch the film within that film. So, Helen, what have you got for us? Right, so there's a fireman. And he um, is making another film. (laughs) There's a fireman, and he's making another film um, about another fireman. Right. Um, but that fireman is played by a pig. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes really well, and the film gets a lot of um, screen time, and it wins awards. But he's noticing that the pig isn't being invited to all the award ceremonies... He's getting lost, um, left off a lot of guest lists and he's really angry about this because he had a really good working relationship with that pig and he feels like the pig is being let down. Is this a bit like Uggy the dog from The Artist yeah. not getting best actor? It's exactly like that. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. So what he does is he thinks, I'm going <clears> to <throat> prove to the world that this 
pig is worth something. I'm sure it is. So he sets up a fire where he is the victim because he is sure that the pig will come and save him. Unfortunately for him, it really was just a pig all along. <laughs> so the guy dies. Wow, that's bleak. That's almost that, that's Kaufman-y as well. There's mm. fl- bits of adaptation in there, bits of Synecdoche, New York. Um, Want to know the title? I would love to know it. Fireman Ham. Oh, it's, oh, it's just a setup, but I, I'm okay with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, normally when we do these pitches, there's like points are awarded for. You know what? I think that could happen. I don't think there'll be many points for Fireman Ham for. <laughs> You know what? I think that might exist. But just in pure in pun points, it's, there's a lot there. Thank you, Jake. All right. um, I like it a lot. Um, you know what? It could happen. I think it could. <laughs> I could make it happen. Yeah. yeah if anyone has a pig. I mean, I reckon Garth Jennings for that one. <gasps> yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah. There's a pig in Sings. Exactly. So maybe we could use that one could be the same pig it could be yeah i mean that that one's that pig in that's like a mother of about 20 yeah so so it could be one of a georgian even yeah and then you flash back and find the mother just like distraught yeah really make this the sequel to sing is just going to be bleak yeah postman ham (laughs) aka sing too postman ham (laughs) i was thinking postman pat That could be the next one. She's got loads of kids. It could be any of these pigs. Postman Ham, Fireman Ham. Um, we could have Ham Howlett for our our departed podcast host, Sam. I would prefer Ham Howlett. <laughs> well, he is a bit of a pig, isn't he? Hey! Um, my pitch for uh, this week is a film that I'm referring to as Christian Light. Wow. Mm. And this is about the unseen relationship. We don't. We we've only been given a few minutes portion of this relationship in our world, and I want to expand on that. The relationship between Christian Bale and the lighting guy on Terminator <laughs> Salvation, <laughs> because. I was listening to Christian Bale's rant on set of that, where he's like, you and me, we're done professionally, man. Oh, whoop dee doop dee doo <laughs> And it's amazing. I uh, forgot how good it is. And the fact that... Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and he's just in this mania about this one lighting guy. And uh, what <laughs> I, I want to see... Because he's talking to him like... You and me were done professionally, man. Makes me think they've been working together for years. Oh yeah. This is actually like we have not just seen him him going off on one on a runner on a assistant. Mm. This guy, Christian and Light, have been together for years. And is I, he called Light? Yeah, let's hey, call him Light. <laughs> um, and I think their relationship is actually like the Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons where Bart has an evil twin. I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a <And> strong episode. <laughs> and they lock the evil twin in the attic. Mm. But then at the end of the episode, you find out that the evil twin is actually Bart. the nice one. Yeah. yeah. And Bart is the evil one and should be locked in the attic. And so I think they've got this dynamic going on. We know that Christian Bale, is, he's used twins before in The Prestige. Mm. Uh, I reckon him and Light are twins who work together for years, one of them just lighting the other. That's like Christian Bale is super famous superstar and his twin brother has spent his whole career lighting him. That's it. Wow. And think that, and he's had to deal with that fame in his brother, and he's getting none. All he's all he's doing is making him more famous by lighting him, and then one day Bale just snaps, and we uh, we see what light does afterwards. Christian light. You get the point on that. Yeah, uh, I genuinely want to see that. Yeah, I reckon we could get Bale. Because Bale definitely thinks of himself as like a pretty serious guy. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rightly so, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I could try and convince him to do the Joaquin Phoenix thing when he did the fake documentary. 
and get him to do this. You've actually got an angle. You've got an in. Yeah. Um, so Christian Bale's agent, if you are listening, um, I mean, he's not Batman anymore. What's he doing? Like, he's pro- like, and he won't even have to do a dramatic weight change for this one. Like, he can just be himself, you know? It is strong. You convinced me. Great. Well, there we are. Christian Light and Fireman Ham, both coming soon. Onwards to Mindhorn. And we spoke briefly uh, about what this film is about, but uh, I actually went to meet Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby to talk about it. And as I got in the room, they were asking themselves what the film was actually about. So rather than us explain it, why not let them? How would you explain it? We've tried many times. We can't yeah, do it's it. It's quite hard. Should we try no, one? No, it is. A... Should we try one? And then let's you can do, cut it out. If you, need it. if you need it, you can Go on, it. Try, try and if explain what Mindhorn is. Right. <clears throat> Mindhorn is a story about an actor called Richard Thorncroft who used to be in a TV show called Mindhorn, a detective show. Set on the Isle of Man. Set on the Isle of Man. It was sort of a cross between, cross between Bergerac and Six Million Dollar Man. Our film starts sort of 25 years later and... Um, the police on the Isle of Man looking for a suspect in a murder case and he calls the police and he says I'll hand myself in but only if I can talk to Detective Mindhorn and they go isn't that a TV show and he goes get me Mindhorn so he thinks Mindhorn is real they have no other leads so they get in touch with the actor who used to play Mindhorn and played by Julian played by myself. who is a washed up um, sort of overweight balding you know his career's gone off, off the rails so he sees this call as an opportunity to get his career back on track, get get back into the limelight, um, and it all goes a bit wrong. That's the pitch. I mean, that was about a minute and a half, wasn't it? I can tell you, it was exactly one. Mm, no, it was about yeah, it was about a minute and fifteen. That's why it took us ten years to get yeah. the film made. Yeah. <laughs> the sort of this theory to go, <clears throat> if you can't explain the film in under six words. It's doomed, it's finished, it's dead. But you could say, but fictional hero mistaken for real hero. I like it. <laughs> we could have had it made years ago. <laughs> just done it. Yeah. yeah, that's true, actually. That's the log line, isn't it? Mm. And in the development of it, was it was Mindhorn always the show within the show? Were you ever tempted to make just... The show. Just the show. Um, we not sort of, really. I mean, we no. talked about it initially. We liked, that's what we love, that sort of... Thing. We thought, could mm. we do this? Could we make a sort of just a parody of one of these shows? But it is sort of when you look at YouTube and you watch them, they're sort of pretty funny on their own. And you sort of think, is there any yeah. point in making another one of these? Um, exactly, because that, that's the funny thing is that you know, if you know it's a fiction, it's made up. It's yeah. more, more difficult to sort of laugh at it because you're going, they've deliberately done it wrong. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas, whereas there's a way. I'm sure there is a way of doing it. I mean, I don't. If you subtle with the jokes somehow and you you're weaving in a sort of external narrative to the to the actual thing but that's it's hard to do without breaking reality of the the, the piece and, yeah. and so we sort of quite soon Simon had this idea of this phone call which suddenly meant that you could have a show set in the past and then but it's told from the point of view of this guy where he is now and how he relates to his the show he made and how he relates to his past and and then how you uh, how he get, tries to get his himself back in the game and so it became about him and I think and we suddenly felt like oh this is much more of a yeah a you believe in the character you know you, you feel for him and you go through his pain and, and enjoy him having quite a lot of pain yeah. as well because he's deserving of it but rather than a thing you're watching and going oh mm. that's a clever uh, you know that's a clever thing they did there they really got that right uh, which you can only do for you can't I don't even do that for two hours, can you? Just sort of no. Go. But we thought if we could make the actor funny, if we could make the actor funny and a rounded mm. sort of character, and Julian's a very funny performer, and so you go, if we can crack that aspect, then the show will be a sort of side salad. Will mm. be a, not a side salad, a side dessert. You have side desserts? Um, not what during the main course. No, like Quality but, Street yeah. with you, steak. Um, it could uh, be well, a... if you did do that, that's what it would. <laughs> yeah, but it's like oh, a little you know, meal. But you sort of <laughs> you're enjoying the would steak. Would you like some Quality Street? Enjoying the steak. But you go, um, you go. Ooh, ooh, look, there's a there's a nice sort of strawberry Quality Street. Mm-hmm, I'll have that. Yeah, but yeah. then I get back to the steak. This yeah. is what I'm really yeah. here to eat. Yeah, or a side um, of potatoes. Rather than making the the Quality Street 
the main the bits of the mm. mind on show like a two thing. hour quality you, you'd speed. die you'd be sick that's it yeah, yeah. you'd have diabetes <laughs> so too much of the exact <laughs> parody is like exactly. getting diabetes yeah. after eating too much chocolate and Richard is the beef um, a very nice cut of beef yes not too, not too. Get drunk on that beef. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, did you know straight away that you were going to be mindful? I knew even before Simon had come up with the idea. Really? Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't. We sort of. Uh, well, I mean, Simon initially said you should uh, yeah. uh, do this, be this chap. So I, um, uh, I said, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe. Um, but why don't we sort of write it and not think about who's in it and just write it as a thing and, and see what happens and maybe we can get a big actor to do it, someone who's known for gravitas and you know mm. and has a history in that genre or something, or maybe who played but a Kenneth detective Brown. or Suchet or yes, one of those guys. Um, yeah, one of those the big dogs. But we um, big cheeses. Yeah, the big cheese dogs. But we sort of thought um, eventually I've been doing the voice. Um, yeah. and sort of it wasn't that different to my voice but I've been doing it for 14, 8 years so I thought mm. <laughs> I've got the hang of it <laughs> no but I, I sort of realised I could do the character and then it became um, a sort of fate to accompli I suppose whatever we yeah there was always a chance I, 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 it was always Julian for me because there was always a chance you would get an actor and they would just do it all do it all wrong because mm. you'd have to offer it that's how it works you'd get a sort of star and they'd yeah. turn up and it'd be all wrong and they'd yeah, no, not very funny or something. Yeah, usually they go. Uh, you go. Can will they come in to read? And they're only if you give them the part. But what if they're not very good? They're not coming in unless you give them. <laughs> oh, okay. They're not coming in unless. You usually you meet them then, and, and then they go. Well, why didn't you get me in? I would have loved to have done it. Well, you know, yeah. we heard them. They say no, 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 and then it's their agents said that usually. Yeah. <laughs> and crafting like. The identity of Mindhorn, even down to the outfits and the eye patch. Yeah, because I, I was listening to Adam Buxton and he talked in there about at some point it was a nose that could smell through. Yeah, yeah, yeah we had that as an idea. There was lots of uh, variations on uh, the body part that could sense criminality mm. or could sense, you know, yeah, trem tremors in the in the. The force. Um, so it was a nose at one point, yes, but not for long, only for an no, afternoon. For about yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. And um, I think the eye patch is good. I look good in an eye patch. Yeah. Um, and you do only like, you, you like to act with one eye anyway. One, it's one just eye too at much time, yeah. Two, isn't it? Two eyes from, I, I can knock people over with. It's too powerful. Stuff, you need to block out some of his rays. Well, I yeah. was wondering whether this was a, a subconscious way of taking the small eyes joke from the bush and well, giving, giving yourself a super powered eye to come back. That. That's not the intention, but um, I'll take that on board <laughs> and uh, repeat that as if I'd thought of it. But um, I think um, I. Uh, it's a little bit like, um, as an actor, it's like uh, I feel as though because I have such a power as an actor, mm. I, I just wanted to give myself a handicap. A little bit like right. tying my arm behind my back. Oh, to give everyone else just a better to give chance. Them, exactly, in the film. Because John Nettles and Ian McShane are all going to sit all, and watch um, this and go, come on. They're all binocular actors. Whereas I'm. A mononocular. A monocular. <laughs> monocular. I've got. <laughs> He's the best monocular actor I've ever seen. Mm. Him and Kurt Russell. There's not many many of them, but you are one of them. Well, it, was just, it was nice to think of all the stuff that he could wear and what would be a great idea for an 80s action hero. and yeah thinking mm. about uh, Escape from New York and all those sh uh, big action movies and you know the look the macho look how can mm. we make that into a bit more of a sort of uh, private detective or a detective on the police force or plain clothes detective version of one of these heroes what would he wear and what would his skill mm. be and, and how would his origin it's all stuff mm. that's just like you know that's it's fun to think of all that stuff yeah, that was fun. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's almost even in the show in the eighties. He's dressed like a cop from the seventies as well. Yes, I mean he's out of date even then. Mm. And uh, the thing about the eighties is it's full of stuff from the seventies and sixties and all the clothes and everything. So, sort of mistake some people make is they try and make everything from nineteen eighty three if it's, it's filmed in nineteen eighty three. But of course, mm. nineteen eighty three, a lot of people were not up to date. It was still hangovers from the seventies. Sure the seventies, yeah. 
But also we picked and cho chose from various stuff as well. We weren't trying to be so specifically accurate about the, the time. Mm. We were in, within a certain ballpark. We thought we'll have a bit of that and that. Because and wind jam, <clears throat> um, this sort of uh, the idea of just a boring bloke in a coat. It was quite later, isn't it? It's sort of that's that's along the sort of Wycliffe mm. kind of Frost. Mm. Um, Lewis, when when the detectives went, let's not have any exciting ones mm. with leather jackets. Let's have really boring ones mm. with like trilbies and they go. Oh, well, excuse the, me, one moment. I suppose Columbo's a version of that. Although he had well, a Columbo's, glass eye, he did have the. Yeah, but wasn't that the actor that had a glass eye? Um, <laughs> yes, it was great casting. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell are we going to get to play this glass-eyed detective? <laughs> I think Peter Falk is free. <laughs> I really hope so, because he's the only one. Yeah. Um, and I imagine you probably had a good time making up all of the Mindhorn merchandise. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. I mean, uh, Peter Francis, uh, our art director, ran with our ideas. But we did We did love... We loved the idea of... It's quite... Um, not inappropriate, but like things really... Like a geometry, a geometry set... Yeah, you know, like a yeah. mind horn compass, and compass um, uh, rulers, driving gloves, <laughs> gear stick, gear stick, um, embroidered gear stick, yeah, warmer, <laughs> um, <laughs> sunglasses case, yeah, sun visor, uh, for you. yeah, <laughs> sun visor sticker. <laughs> Um, one thing that I can't forget whilst I'm here is uh, Helen, who was orig originally going to do this interview, uh, she's actually performing her one-woman show tonight and uh, couldn't make it, and so for some anxiety therapy, did a watercolour oh, yeah. of Mindful. <laughs> yeah. And I was wondering if we could, if I could get you to uh, compare the likeness and mm. go have a look at this wonderful painting. Mm. Oh. oh, yes. It's very nice. It's it's captured of, the intensity mm. of that of that visible of eye. The monocle, the monocular um, powerhouse that is very. Donkrop. The nose is like very. She's sort of Liam Neeson. He's a bit of Neeson in there. Yes, Neesonified it. Yes, at least I have a yeah. set of skills. I have a set of skills. One eye. Right. Um, but it's very good. It's exceptional. Nice. Yeah. 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 Particularly where the paint on the red eye has actually bled through and had to be sellotaped from the back. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, nice. It's a good touch, isn't it? Mm. Um, and as a, I'm, I'm grew up in Hastings, which is a big uh, May Day culture there. So there's a particular scene mm. with a parade here, which mm. I was very attached to, mm. and I was wondering whether there was any particularly disturbing childhood memories that were raised for yourselves. Oh well, God, yeah. Um, parades. There used to be a parade in Richmond where, uh, when I was young, um, there was always some crummy parade, and it'd be every year, and you'd always have to do something mm. slightly embarrassing um, <laughs> on a really slow. Things about parade is so slow. Mm. If it went quite fast, you'd go, <clears> "Oh great, I'm dressed as a scarecrow, you know, I'm a Wurzel Gummidge." Um, <laughs> I'm a Wurzel Gummidge themed float. Yeah. No one knows why this is happening. No. But I've got straw in my hair and my face is painted. Yeah. And Aunt Sally's next to me. <laughs> and uh, I wish it could go a bit faster. But it doesn't. It's just a slow, torturous. Oh, gosh, you see them. I mean, you still see these things. Like, a float goes past and there'd be like um, seven sort of 14 year old boys from the local karate club. <laughs> just completely red with embarrassment. Yeah. Moves. Yeah. Really flushed. <laughs> But their sensei is going, come on, come on, keep it up. <laughs> nice run. Jonathan, Jonathan, pick it up. Come yeah. on, don't look at them. Do the moves. <sighs> yeah. Yes, the parade culture. Um, uh, yeah, and that was a real parade in, in yeah, the Isle of Man. We, we, sort no, it of, was. we hijacked it. We, we, came, well, we filmed and coincided the filming with it. Yeah. So that you could have the sort of sense of, <laughs> yeah. that sense of kind of washed out British mm. fun. <laughs> <laughs> it worked very nicely. We always had had that idea of a parade and, and some look-alike mind horns and the police chasing them and having to like, spin them around and finding that they're just you know fake mind horns. And I think it sort of worked quite well that that bit. It certainly did. Um, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, um, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. Guys, thank you. Thank you.
There we are, the fantastic Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby on great form there. I'm sure they could have quite happily sat for about two hours. They clearly just, they just feel like they're best friends. It's and really... like we've got in the way of them just having a nice time by having to interview them. Mm, definitely. You uh, did get in the way. Yeah, I like to imagine <laughs> that they just booked that room to just sit there and chat. And then PR company was just like, guys, seeing as you're here, can you let some journalists come in and talk to you? kind enough. It's like, oh, we booked this room privately. (laughs) This was our chat time. I bet they do have scheduled chat time. Yeah. And they enjoyed your painting. Which I'm really proud of. Yeah. Took me a whole 25 minutes. I think it looked like... Done a watercolour. (laughs) (laughs) I think it looked like more... More I like think 25 minutes. I was quite happy with it. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely painting. Did you take a picture of it? No. What? Because I didn't take a picture of it because I thought you would have documented it. It's ephemeral. Okay. Okay. So for the listeners and for us, it lives in memory. And for Julian Barrett, it lives in fact because he, he has it. I mean, I imagine. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today it's framed by now oh yeah I mean the interview was two days ago so like that's definitely hanging above his fireplace no his bed yeah (laughs) definitely or next to his mirror in the morning (laughs) like a mind torn picture (laughs) you are exactly where you need to be looking at the painting that you did for him let's nail this mother (laughs) (laughs) right so mind torn we said earlier it's great it's so good Um, so Let's set the scene. Um, Mindhorn is back on the Isle of Man. He's got to <laughs> solve a crime because the Kestrel, played by Russell Tovey, has supposedly killed someone and Mindhorn needs to save the day. And uh, everyone is just on top form. We've got, um, along with Simon Farnaby as Clive Parnovic, who is Mindhorn's ex-stuntman. We've got Julian Barrett, obviously, as Richard Thorncroft, the actor and Mindhorn himself. Along the way, we've got Essie Davis, who you might know from The Babadook, um, as Patricia DeVille, who was uh, the love interest in Mindhorn the show, uh, and also the love interest here. Who'd have guessed? Uh, on the We've got Andrea Riseborough, Kenneth Branner, uh, Steve Coogan as Peter Eastman, a.k.a. Windjammer. Didn't the- get in this industry to sell cuckoos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a spin-off show from Mindhorn. Uh, we've got Russell Tovey as the Kestrel. Uh, Harriet Walker, who's just in the sense of an ending as uh, Richard's agent. Uh, Jessica Barden as a daughter character, um, which we'll get into later. Uh, Simon Callow as Simon Callow. Just so much going on. Um, everyone turning up and everyone just having a good time. There's literally no weak link on this. And there's no one that I didn't enjoy watching. Yeah, yeah. So there's a number of... I think we got, we do go on a, a classic journey with Richard. And I think he's kind of set up in a British... Modern British tradition of the David Brents and Alan Partridges and a bit of Father Ted as well in that they're not... They're not heroes, they're not anti-heroes, but ultimately we are still on their side. They're very likeable. Mm. He's re- Let me just switch tone. He's very likeable. <laughs> <laughs> and he's quite lonely. 
yeah in a really um kind of like recognizable way in this way of he's been really really famous and he had this great thing and then there's a great shot it's really early on but you just see him without um his wig on mm. uh, that he uses and he just looks really tired yeah <laughs> and it's it that's all you need from the shot just to understand where he is in his life right now yeah because uh, the film begins with this brilliantly 80s um, clip from Mindhorn the show as it was and he is uh, he was a, he was, a, was he in the army or a policeman I think possibly both yeah. <laughs> uh, got into an accident and ended up having one of his eyes transplanted to have a bionic eye put in that could literally see truth <laughs> which is wonderfully stupid so he wears an eye patch yeah. and has a red centre in the middle which I imagine is the bit that sees the truth <laughs> <laughs> and so th- and we see how mind torn the show looked and then we come out of it and we meet Thorncroft now and it's a one bedroom studio <laughs> flat um, it's dirty it's dingy and he when he goes to the bathroom he opens the cupboard and in there he's got Mindhorn merchandise and I think and he's still convinced that this is fine yeah I think he's delusional yeah oh and yeah he's, te- <laughs> he's telling himself that he'll just come on he'll get on back he'll yep. get back on track we'll be okay <laughs> I'm Mindhorn <laughs> I know the truth <laughs> and at this point, he's advertising orthopedic socks, um, and we go to meet his agent, and we find Simon Callow in there. And there's some wonderful exchanges between Callow and the agent and Richard all at once. Um, that just in the, in the way that you imagine, uh, you like to imagine awful celebrities greet each other. Mm. That they are all very smiley and they're happy, and within a few minutes they're effing and blinding at each other because they hate each other so much because they might steal apart. Yeah, and oh, oh yes, I can't remember your name, but you were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I, I don't remember. Yeah, oh god, just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Callow does that very well. Um, and then following that, we have a an audition with Kenneth Branagh that is horrible to watch. Um, and that's, I think, at the start of the film, we're meeting Thorncroft at his very worst, mm. at his most impersonable um, and most un-PC, particularly established by the nature of the character he's auditioning for. Yeah. And he's just really lost the blot. Yeah. And but Branner I, I almost think Branner is breaking character at this point because oh, Julian, Julian Barrett is having to do an audition as an out of work aging actor who is auditioning for the role in which you see outside is completely made up of black men. So he's turned up to the wrong audition, but then goes for it anyway and uh puts on the the most awful accent for no reason no and Branner is trying to deal with this and you're almost expecting Branner to look into the camera yeah I really hope that Branner didn't really know what he was going to do <laughs> and he just sort of just did it in one take <laughs> yeah oh well, speaking of Branner photo came up this week of him doing Poirot oh, hey. yeah Murder on the Orient Express Hey. Yeah. Um. He and he's got. He looks remarkably like Ewan McGregor in it, which is weird because I got very confused because he's got the great Poirot tash, and then uh, Johnny Depp is in it as well with a tash. And I thought, have they accidentally made a sequel to Mordecai? <laughs> <laughs> um. But luckily they haven't. But there you go. <laughs> there's there's the Branner tash. Wow. As now, I mean, that's great for the listeners, Jake. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, mean, I was going to show you. You're you are a Poirot fan. It's, uh, what do you make of Branner as Poirot? I, I think that is a strong choice. That yeah. is brilliant. I'm getting, I'm excited for that. That's yeah. a brilliant touch. Yeah. Guys, look at it's Make your morning. Yeah. Or afternoon. Sadly, no Branner Tash in this, um, but a very lovely scene at least. Um, and he does very well. And then it's it's not, it's kind of got that. There is a sense in modern British comedies that there is a bit of a roll call for cameos as well. 
and we've seen this we see this all the time maybe it's just because the country's so much smaller than America <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit easier that oh someone's someone's doing a comedy Steve, yeah. Steve Ken whoever can anyone just make it down yeah just turn up for a bit um and so we end up with Steve Coogan, uh, who we meet briefly. And I think Steve Coogan's character, who Peter Eastman, who was the character of Windjammer, who was on the show Mindhorn. And or after Richard left to go to L.A. to find fame, which he didn't, um, Windjammer was given his own spin-off show, which had, was now running for 16 years. And he was the most successful out of anyone to come up with Mindhorn. And I think that Peter Eastman is ultimately what Alan Partridge wants to be. It's so true. Yeah, because Partridge was the date was the minor character on the day to day, and then with each iteration of Partridge, he thought he was getting bigger and bigger. And I thought this was a great way for Coogan to be like, if to this, if that. yeah, if Partridge had everything, every decision went his way, it would end up being. Windjammer. And he would live in a house with oil paintings of cagoules yeah. all over the walls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in the interview, they do talk about uh, how there's, there was this change in the way that detectives dressed, and Windjammer is the modern, cool detective. Mm-hmm. And it's not about having fun outfits anymore it's you've just got you've got to be pretty plain you've got to be straight and narrow line of duty kind of stuff yeah and so the identifying feature of Windjammer is he wears a cagoule yeah and then you look at Mindhorn and he's like he's from the 80s as we said he's dressed in he's dressed like he's from the 70s he's got the roll neck jumper and mustard leather jacket that are horrible and far too small uh, the wig the eye patch this is a man with identity. <laughs> right, so um, that's that's kind of the key players here, and then we have we have Russell Tovey who kickstarts the plot by saying that there's been a murder on the Isle of Man, which is where Mind Mindhorn was filmed and where it took place, and that's why he wants uh, Mindhorn to come back to the Isle of Man to help solve this crime. And Tovey is the Kestrel, and he's very good in this. <laughs> like, I, I just, I was a bit hesitant when I saw the trailers because I thought he was just going to be like o- over the top with it. Not that that's wrong in this position, but he's meant to be a kid that was a um, bit damaged and sought refuge in Mindhorn, and I thought it was going to be like. <laughs> a real version of Syndrome from The Incredibles mm. or something. Mm. But he actually turns out... He's actually quite sweet. He's, he's quite, very sweet. Yeah. And I don't think they're really mocking him in the way they built his character. Mm. It, like, <clears throat> this is what's so good about this show is there's so much heart in it. Mm. And even when there's slightly these slightly odd characters, it's never in a mean way that they're making it. Mm. Um, so... And I think that's what a lot of comedy doesn't do is they go on quite a harsh line and they sort of like take the mick and they're making fun of people. Whereas this, everyone's got so much quirk and so much that's that's a bit, you know, off kilter that actually it's a really joyful celebration. And I do think that that's really bushy as well. Mm. Um, so anyone that sort of liked that vibe that comes from the Mighty Boosh of just a lot of joy and silliness, um, I think will really enjoy this film. Um, it does, it absolutely does stand in its own right, though. It's not kind of like a... It's not as zany. Yeah, it? And, it, and it's got its own, you know, its own identity um, beyond that. But I think that vibe is very strong in this. And that's what I really enjoy about it. Because I, I don't think comedy has to be mean. And um, I don't think they make Russell Tovey look uh, mean. Like they call him the Kestrel. <laughs> and he's silly. Mm. But like you say, he's really sweet. Mm. And actually, as you go on the film, you really root for him. Mm. Yeah. And when you when you have... He's a fan. He's a fan of the show. And that's why he rings up Mindhorn. Um, and he's got all the memorabilia. And this could be done in a creepy way as mm. well. But it's just so loving. And I think 
Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby are clearly fans of these. They are fans of Bergerac and they are fans of these TV shows. And there is some of them in the Kestrel. Exactly. And I think they're. Uh, we've had stuff like, I don't know, like the Big Bang Theory that's meant to be destigmatizing the character of the nerd. Um, but I mean, that's like taking. I th- like big superheroes and Indiana Jones and Star Wars which are multi-billion dollar franchises <laughs> and saying you know what these things are okay I mean yeah everyone's decided they're okay that's not exactly. that big of a step whereas saying this pretty bad quite camp show from the 80s which you've spent thousands of pounds on affect like pointless little things that mm. just make you happy that's great that's yeah, fine that's what i mean like they're not making fun of him for doing that like mm. i imagine that and like i really enjoy that thing of like i've been a sucker for merchandise mm. before when i just really like something yeah. because like, it just makes me happy and and i think that's good and and there are so many kind of shows like that that um like you say that they're not big and and people go through phases of liking things or not and I love that the Kestrel just is still like my lord hasn't been on for ages and he doesn't watch Windjammer I don't think he's not interested in that it's all about Mindhorn and there's there's even at one point there's a book of kind of tips from Mindhorn that he refers to so well it's in the book so so uh, you know that's what I did (laughs) and I think there's and um Richard sort of looks through the book and there's a look of like, oh, someone did actually buy this. Yeah. Like, of happiness with that. Um, which is really lovely. Mm. Um, I just want to talk about the kind of the Britishness of the well, uh, the Isle. And, and the, the Kestrel, even yeah. to call him the Kestrel. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think if this was, this is not like Bond or something. No. Like where you would, uh, if you were making an animal comparison, it's going to be a cheetah or a shark yeah. or something like yeah. an eagle. Like, and this is Kestrel. Yeah. <laughs> which is lovely. Um, and so this is, this is uh, all set on the Isle of Man, as we said. And, I, I wanted to talk about this in the interview, but sadly we were um, cut a bit short. The Isle of Man is used as a filming location so much. Like, it's, like so many films and TV shows are actually shot on the Isle of Man because it's, it's a beautiful place and it's, easily, it's easy to get to. It's relatively cheap to film there. And you can... Because it, of its geography, there's a lot of different locations in it. So you can go from a town to the country to a beach in a very, very short space of time. So if you have a number of different locations, then you can cover that ground really quickly. And you can go to a number of different beaches. You could get a sand beach, you can get a pebble beach. You can mix it all up on the aisle. And so it's really popular to film there, but it's barely ever credited. Mm. And I love that this is... It just is really pro Isle of Man. And <laughs> it's just everything. And it's never, that's never mentioned as well. It's like, why are we on the Isle of Man? That's not a thing. No. It's just like assumed, well, it's on the Isle of Man. You just go there. Like, that's where, that's where things happen. Why wouldn't you go? Um, and I, th- I thought that was really great. And the, the island's nature, I think, it's used in, it made me think a lot about Father Ted. In the mm. way that they and the Wicker Man as well, mm. there's this intensification of Englishness, um, or n- not Englishness. Obviously, Father Ted is Irish, but uh, <laughs> but, but uh, even kind of cultural for, identity and the rural, yeah. even yeah, yeah. Um, and that isolation, mm. yeah, and and that I think really that makes you understand kind of how the Kestrel has come into form and how Mindhorn exists as well through that isolation um you've got no one to tell you that you're you're wrong really Mm. and so because he was big in this small culture he thinks that's reflective of the entire world because the isle of man loved mindhorn everyone loved mindhorn yeah um and there is a there is a little there is this parade which is the, the most wonderfully quaint parade that is caught up in the middle of a chase and there is a chap commenting throughout this parade and that may be my favourite moment in the whole thing 
I agree. It's so funny. Like, I almost don't want to talk about it too much because it's such a treat. Yeah. But it's... And like we were saying, we were laughing sort of constantly all the way through. And I um, listened to an interview with them both where they were saying, and Julian in particular was saying, that, you know, you write it and you think it's funny and then you film it and you still think it's funny but not quite as funny as you first did it because the jokes are getting a bit old to you now. And then it goes through the edit and you start to think oh no oh is this funny and then you're starting to sort of you know really get the finished thing and you can think oh gosh this isn't funny at all and it took for them to or for him to watch it in a, in a with an audience to be like oh oh yeah this is funny this is fresh to everyone and i think that in a lot of comedies um that's why they can sometimes seem especially with film a bit disjointed because i think people might start to lose confidence and start to try and change things up a bit, which in the room of filming seems funny because it's new to the crew. Mm. Like, you're five takes in and someone does it differently and then that's funny to the crew. That's the one that gets the cut. But in the narrative of of the film, it doesn't follow suit. So sometimes jokes can be lost when you're in the audience because it was funny to all the filmmakers who were starting to sort of think, oh gosh, we've heard this before, Mm. I'm not sure. Um, And I think that's what's so good about this is that it that's what it is they've just had faith in their own writing and the writing is so strong no matter how silly it is and and it's joyful and silly but it's clever like you said and and yes there are great moments of falling over and stuff but but the writing and the editing is so on point and um the parade is just such the epitome of that where i can imagine you know the it's so funny on paper, but then they could have ruined that so easily by just overdoing it a little bit or bringing one's level up, and they don't. And it's so good. Yep. Uh, It's exactly right. And it makes me think, there's another film out at the moment, which I do really enjoy, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Mm. uh, but that is almost the opposite of that in that they establish their jokes in the first one and they know what people liked. And it's almost like every character is given the same joke, which I'm happy to hear the same joke again, but then given another one mm. of, the, of the same thing. Mm. It's al- And it's almost like every character has one too many jokes and they don't quite know where to cut everyone off because you need that limit to want more, where it's like as soon as you're given as much as you want, you feel full and you you don't have that anticipation. Yeah, and, sure. And as... Um, Farnaby said in the interview, you want your strawberry cream quality street to go alongside your steak. This is a great. And <laughs> <laughs> um, there is there is one thing that I don't think really works, and there is there is a subplot that's running throughout of that maybe Thorncroft has fathered a daughter. Um and it it kinda comes in out of nowhere and when it's happening I feel like oh this it it's a bit of a surprise I don't really think it's needed but it will pay off later on and I don't really think it pays off either yeah I think that's the one bit that just felt <clears throat> a little bit overwritten maybe mm. because I don't think it needs it yeah I think they got caught up in the idea of of having a narrative <laughs> Like a traditional narrative that <clears throat> yeah. that needs this structure and that needs that empathy and full rounded character and that was an easy way of kind of getting that in there um and it, it doesn't it doesn't really work for me but there is so much other stuff and the the daughter thing isn't given a lot of screen time no thankfully um <clears throat> and i really like touches like <clears throat> his stuntman is now the one that ended up with uh, his on-screen lover mm. and uh, there's wonderful moments from Simon, Simon Farnaby in some uh, denim shorts with some um, what they call the big the garden she- scissors shears, <laughs> shears. Um, yeah. he can really work a pair of sh- yeah. uh, shears and he's really not hiding the fact that his Dutch accent is terrible like that's I thought it was like a mock South African is I, it meant to be I, Dutch I thought it was Dutch <laughs> but I think like again that's in the same way that uh, your other players in something like a Bond film would yeah. just be like we don't know where they're from but foreign equals evil right like, yeah that, that's generally what it counts oh funny accent yeah yeah don't trust him 
that I think that's what which is not good <laughs> yeah but I think that's what this is playing off of yeah no for yeah. sure yeah no because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> And that's done really well. Um, we haven't talked about Simon Farnaby compared to Barrett, but obviously they are the two that wrote this thing yeah. together. Though Barrett gets more of the screen time, he gets the more fun role. Um, as a collaborative piece, it really is brilliant. And um, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing what Farnaby's next work is because his next writing credit is Paddington 2. Oh, which I, I really cannot wait for yeah. um, and I know he's in it so hopefully we can expect a Barrett appearance and I'm <laughs> sure it can be arranged somehow um, but I, I'm so excited for Paddington too um, we're not really going to do any spoiler coverage on here because there's it's not it's not there's not many huge plot points that we need to worry about um, it's more about just going along for the ride with Mindhorn and engaging with the stupidity and silliness um, and just really enjoy it. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. If you if you do anything this week, do go and see Mindhorn. Make that the top priority. You won't regret it. You certainly will not regret it. Get me Mindhorn. Um, uh, so before Helen's voice finally does go, um, make sure you check out Curzon Home Cinema this week. Uh, Heal the Living, which was the focus of last week's podcast, is on there. There's an entire collection of films uh, chosen by the director, Catel Calavire. So do go and check that out. Um, and The Happiest Day in the Life of Ollie Mackie. We recently interviewed the director of that on the Curzon blog. So if you want to, do go and check that film out on Curzon Home Cinema and read the interview too. Um, but until next time, from my podcasting Poirot, it is goodbye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you to CSR for letting us use their studio. Until you next time, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.